Go with me to Luke chapter 9. I'm going to conclude this series uh, called All In. I thought I was done, but the Holy Spirit will not release me. So go to Luke uh, chapter 9 tonight. Luke uh, chapter 9. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 9. And we're going to pick up in uh, verse uh, 60, 59. Look at verse 59. Matter of fact, we'll look at verse 58. Hallelujah. Luke 9, 58. If you're there, say amen. It says, and Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, uh, 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 Lord, let me first go bury my father. Jesus said to him, let, let the dead bury the, their own dead but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, we honor you tonight. We thank you, Lord, that you're equipping all of us here tonight that, Lord, more than anything, we want to be fit for your use in your kingdom. Lord, make us fit. Make us suitable. Make, equip us for, so we can do great things in your earth. Now, God, move on through these next 30, 35 minutes. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Again, we're looking at part four of all in. Look at your neighbor and say, all in. God wants us to be all in. Amen. He does not want us to be unstable as water. Amen? You know, I think that's in the, put, put up Genesis 49, I believe, in three. We haven't looked at this in some years at this church. Look, look at this real quick. I believe it's Genesis uh, 49. Look at this real quick. Look at this. It says, Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength. The, the, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. And isn't that interesting that back then, that when your firstborn was a son, that, that, that spoke that a man has some strength. That, that make you have some swag. Come on, somebody. You get a son? Come on, somebody. Then, then, then look what the next verse says. It gets unfortunate. It says, unstable as water. Isn't that interesting? He said, Reuben, you unstable as water, you shall not excel because you went up to your father's bed and then you defiled it and you went up to my couch. This got young and the restless all over it. This got reality TV all over it. Can I get a witness up in here? I mean, because for those of you that don't know, you know, Jacob, his dad, had a wife, wife and concubines, and the son decided to go sleep with one of the concubines. In other words, why would you want to do that to your stepmother? Why didn't you go around the corner to Susie? Oh, y'all, come on, somebody. Anybody in the room used to do, when you did wrong, you did wrong right. You know what I'm saying? You're like, wait a minute, I got boundaries. Even though I'm kind of crazy, but I do have some morals and some values, I'm going to go take my mess up the corner. I'm not going to go behind daddy. He goes up to his daddy's couch 
And then he tells his son, you're unstable as water. And he said, you will not excel. Because, I mean, to me, that, 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 that's a sign that obviously Reuben was not all in. That you would even do that to your own father. I mean, where's your morals? Where, where, where's your values? And, and I know we live, in a, we live in a blended family society. Come on, somebody. That's why even in May, we're starting a blended family ministry where we're having classes. Because when when, even when we look at kingdom, I would say almost half of our church is blended. But I know that we got blended families here and ain't the son ain't looking at the stepmama. If that's the case, we need to get the oral. Come on, not the oil. <laughs> We're going to go get some oil and make you drink it. We need to get you healed. Come on, somebody. Jesus. Come on, somebody. But my point in bringing this up is that he says you're unstable as water and he said you will not excel. That goes to show you that people can even forfeit phases of their destiny because we grew up in church where they would say things like, God is going to do in you what he wants to do. That's not necessarily true because in order for God to work in you and through you, he needs your cooperation. He needs your undivided attention. And obviously he didn't have Reuben's undivided attention because this brother was doing him. And his daddy told him, you are not only unstable as water, but you will not excel. In other words, you can miss what God has for you because you're not all in. Somebody say all in. So let, let, let's look at this again. Go, go back to Luke 9 and, and, and 62. Uh, 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 Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is, is, is fit. Again, that word fit means you haven't equipped yourself. You haven't made yourself suitable for God to use you and maximize your potential. God wants to maximize your potential, but he can't do it if you hemming and hawing about this and that. And that's basically what Jesus was saying because you have one guy, all he wanted to do was go bury his father, and the other guy, he just wanted to go bid farewell and say bye and kind of close that chapter. But Jesus was like, no, nah, man, one dog, come on with me now because you might go back and get caught up. Somebody might be able to pull on the strings of your heart and convince you that where are you going? Well, how are you going to do that? Anybody ever been in one of them seasons? Well, did you add up the cost? Did you count the cost? Sometimes God just requires us to make some faith moves. There's a lot of you in here even right now. You ain't even from Arizona. And you had to make up, you had to make up in your mind, even though family members are like, well, you know it's going to be hard and you might hit a wall, but you still made a decision. It's time for me to change my zip code. That if God is going to do in me and through me what he wants to do, sometimes God has to change your environment. Amen? Because if some of us would have stayed in that same environment, we would have got caught up. Can I get a witness up in here? But you leaving your environment caused you to even be able to see another side of God and experience options from God. So we see here, he says, once a man puts his hands to the plow, looking back, he is not fit. We, we, one thing that, that the assignments that God has given me is to raise up people to help you make, make you spiritually fit. To help spiritually equip you. To help spiritually mature you. Amen. So you can come into the fullness of who God has called you to be. And how do you do that? Don't look back. What about the woman? Look at how all, when, when God destroyed uh, 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 Sodom and Gomorrah, all he said was, don't look back. And what happened? This woman 
Look, Lot's wife looks back and turns into a, a pillar of salt. Why? Because she wasn't all in. There was something that she, she still had an appetite for something that was in that city. If you ask me my opinion on that, amen, I can, we can go more into detail. That's that, you, know, you know God destroyed that city because of all the, the chaos and all the homosexuality that was going on in that city to the point to where even Lot, when the men were coming for the other men, Lot said, wait a minute, here's my daughters. In other words, he was even saying, do wrong right. Here's my girls and their virgins. And the men, the Spirit of God blinded them, and the Bible says that they still tried to kick the door down. Read this. It's in Genesis chapter 19. Read the whole chapter. They tried to knock the whole, hold the door down because they wanted to know those men carnally, the Bible says. And it's interesting. They tried to, here it is, they were blind, still trying to knock the door down because the lust was not only the lust of the eye, it was the lust of the flesh. It was in their heart. And then that's when he said, get out of this city. I'm about to destroy this. It's a wrap. He destroyed. And then she looks back. Sometimes you can't, you know, you can't afford to look back. Some of us, if we look back, we might go back. Come on, let's not sit up here and try to say when you was in sin, it was miserable. <laughs> Pastor, when I was in sin, it was just miserable. It wasn't miserable for me. I liked it. I just got scared when I was looking at 7 to 21. I'm like, wait a minute, they trying to take my freedom. I was like, yes, Lord, come on, somebody. <laughs> but don't, don't, even the Bible talks about it in Hebrews that sin is good for a season. For a season, she <laughs> said, amen. Now, after a while, you do kind of, it does get a little old. Can I get a witness? It's like, you're going to see the same people at the club? Come on, somebody. <laughs> But after a while, you start realizing there's more to life than me being a failure. There's more to life than me just being out here. I got more value in myself than that. You know what I'm saying? You start coming to that conclusion. But let me get into this because I only got such amount of time. So tonight, I want to talk to you about three things. Again, titled All In. People that are all in are givers. You know, I got to cover that. I can't go, can't do a series about being, talking about being all in and, and not talk about giving. So, number one, all in. People that are all in are givers. Go to Luke 6.38. Go to Luke uh, chapter 6, verse 38. Very familiar scripture to everybody. Look at this real quick. It says, uh, so, so people who are all in. It says, so give. Somebody say give. And it shall be given to you. Boy, that's so elementary. We don't even need to know the Greek and the Hebrew. Come on, somebody. Give. If you give, it's going to be given back to you. In other words, all God is saying is, I'm going to reciprocate. Then it says, uh, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put back into your bosom. Can you, can you put this up in the King James Version real quick? Look at this real quick. Put this up in the, in the King James Version. It says, given it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall men, shall men, shall men give unto your bosom. God, see, when you are all in when it comes to your giving, God will cause other people to go out of their way to bless you. How many of you believe that on tonight? God will strategically put people in your life to bless you, especially when he sees you giving. You know what? I went to God. I said, God, you know what? I emptied out my retirement to, for us to move in this building. Almost $60,000. I said, and we up in here ain't got no AC. 
I said, Lord, you said in Psalm 118, verse 25, send now prosperity. And I like what my man said, the London speaker we had. He says, just because God is silenced doesn't mean he's absent. But it's in those in-between seasons, he said, you still got to trust God. And I begin to Lord say, Lord, sin now. Because I was serious, we all going to die up in here. Come on, we didn't get that AC until the second week of June. So I had to begin to put a demand. Did we put it, to put it up real quick, I want you to get a visual of this. Psalm 100, and, and it's, uh, Psalm, uh, say now, I pray, oh Lord, oh Lord, I pray, sin now. Prosperity. I begin to pray that prayer, and y'all know the testimony. I go in my office after the 8 o'clock service, and there's a lady in there with $100,000. Then she comes back Thursday with another $150,000. Next thing you know, we magically, we got these AC units back here, $323,000 that they gave us three years to pay off, and we did it in three and a half months. Somebody say, that's God. But see, when you're all in, you can begin to go to God and say some things. You can begin to put a demand on your seed that your seed will turn into a harvest because your harvest is connected to your seed. And if you got some seed in the ground, you can begin to call things that be not as though they are because death and life is in the power of your tongue. Somebody scream all in. See, when you're all in, when it comes to your giving, God has to give back to you. Go, go back to Luke 6.38. God wants to Luke 6.38 with you, but you got to put this scripture into motion. Somebody say motion. You got to put this scripture into motion. It says give and it. Whatever that it that you sold, you're going to get. If you put seed in the ground, God will multiply it. Put up Genesis 26. Wait, wait, look, say, then he says, I will cause men. That might not have been a man, but it was a woman man in my office with that check. Come on, somebody. I believe there's money out there with your name on it. It's time for you to begin to call it in. Call in. Say, Lord, you going to loot 638 me? You, said, you told the man of God that 2016 is a year of expansion. Lord, I thank you that you're about to expand my finances. Then it says, man shall give unto your bosom. For with, with, with the same measure that you meet with, it shall be measured to you. Whatever you're putting out there, it's going to come back to you. Speaking of that, go, 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 to, uh, go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, 9, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. Look at this. 2 Corinthians. See, people that are all in understand the importance of giving. And then peep this out. When you are giving and people get born again, rededicated, when they join the church, you got to remember, your giving did that. Your giving played a part in that. Because to keep this AC blowing every month, there's 12000 13000 a month. So those of you that are giving, amen, and people are coming into, uh, I was with a pastor uh, about a month ago, or two months ago, and he was telling me about how um, um, the, he met the owner of Starbucks and you know, he made the comment. He says, well, I know you guys sell coffee. And the, the owner had to correct him and says, we don't sell coffee. We sell environment. We sell atmosphere. If we create the right environment, if we create the right atmosphere, they'll come and buy the coffee. We're trying to create an atmosphere. We're trying to create an environment. We want to try to create a wow factor when you walk in the foyer. 
I got some pictures there. How's it looking? It looking pretty decent in there? See what you're doing? See what we're doing with y'all giving? So we want people to have a wow, like, whoa. These people, they got a spirit of excellence. And then before they hit their seat, we want them to see excellence. Then we want them to see excellent singing, excellent preaching, excellent ushers. Come on, somebody. Excellent greeters, excellent parking lot ministry, excellent people. You understand what I'm saying? Because people are drawn to excellence. An average member makes a decision within five to seven minutes if they want to join your church. That means in five to seven minutes, their wheels are already turning. Is this the place where I want to be? Is the environment right? Is the atmosphere right? Are the people weird? And nobody want to be sitting by somebody that's weird. Come on, somebody. Amen. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Shut up and listen. This is not a Jesus moment right now. You trying to be deep is not impressing. You're disturbing the atmosphere right now. Come on, some, anybody came from churches like that? It's like, man, you need to get some balance. Go watch CNN for crying out loud. <laughs> Go to 2 Corinthians 9 and 6. Let me get back to this giving. Oh, I was, oh, the guy from Starbucks is selling environment. Atmosphere. Thank God for the Holy Ghost, huh? <laughs> Say, he'll bring all things back to your remembrance. That's what we're selling. We want the environment to be right. We don't want to be some hole-in-the-wall church. We passed that test at the swap meet years ago. It's a new day. It's a new season. Come on, somebody. Amen? Look at this. But this I say, he who sows sparingly, he sows sparingly, will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Next verse. Then it says, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity. For, 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 for God loves a cheerful giver. Cheerful, when you look that up in the, in the Greek, it means to be hilarious. He's looking for a, it says, it says God loves a hilarious giver. And then it even means a ready and willing giver. Next verse. Then it says, and God is able. How many of you know he's able? To make all grace, somebody say all grace, abound toward you. Grace meaning his unmerited, his undeserved favor. See, when you start sowing bountifully, he says, and then you do it cheerfully, you do it hilariously, you're ready and a willing giver. The Bible says that I'm going to cause my what? My grace, my undeserved favor to what? Abound toward you. That's why favor's on this house. Because we're givers. And so his what? His grace is abounding toward us. Then it says, uh, 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 he's able to, to, to make all grace abound toward you. Then it says that, that you always having all sufficiency in all things. Then it says, may, then it says, may have an abundance for every good work. Next, work. Next verse. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad and has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Next verse. Then it says, now may he who supplies the seed, has he supplied you the seed? It's him that supplies the seed. That job that you're working, it's him that supplies the seed. Amen? He supplies the seed. He has supplied you the job so you can have seed to pay your bills and pay your tithes. So it says, now may he who supplies seed 
to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you, you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Now, if we believe that he supplied the seed, why won't we think he can multiply it? If he gave you the job, if he gave you the seed to sow, why wouldn't he multiply it? He said it right there. Let's go, let's look at it one more time. Now, may he who supplied it, the seed to the sower, the bread for food, may he supply he supplied it and multiplied the seed. If he supplied it, he will multiply it. I always say if he ordained it, he'll sustain it. If it's God's deal, it's his bill. Why? Because he's in the business of multiplication. Go to Genesis 26 real quick and 12, and then we're going to move on to our second point because I can stay on this whole uh, people that are all in are givers because giving is necessary. Then it says, Isaac, he sold, he sold in the land, and he reaped in that same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Why? Because he sold. Then it goes on. Look at this one. Look at the next verse, verse 13. It says, then he began to be prosper. Then he began to prosper. Look at the level. That's one level that he prospered. Then it says, and he continued prospering, which means things just got better for him. Then it says, until he became very, somebody say very, prosperous. He became very prosperous. But verse 12 says, because he sold some seed. I'm telling you, when you're all in, when it comes to your giving, God has to multiply what you sow. Something else that the gentleman said uh, Sunday. You know, I heard this Monday when I was at TBN in Miami. You got to have faith in God's word. We know the word, but do you have faith that it works? And then you have to work that word. You have to stand on that word. You have to meditate on that word. You have to chew on that word. You just can't know that. Well, I know Luke 6.38 says give and it shall be given. But do you have faith that God can give back what you put in? I've been pastoring now almost 12 years. Listen, I've been in the ministry, be January, be 20 years. I've seen God do some stupid things with my money. I'm talking about anybody had to give until it hurt. You gave and didn't want to give, but you knew God said do it. And you knew you only had a 20 to make it through the next week. Maybe y'all ain't never been there. Listen, been there, done that. Well, we didn't have to go on some change hunts. That's why I appreciate what God is doing in my life now. Because, but I've passed some tests because it wasn't even about the money. It was about I was all in when it came to giving. And it didn't matter if God gave it back to me or not. Why? Because I didn't give to get it. I give because I love God. And more than that, I want to be obedient to him. Speaking of obedience, if you look at Isaiah 119, it says, if you be willing and obedient, it says you will eat the good of the land. More than your money, God wants your obedience. Put that up. Yeah, there it is. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. The good of the land. And then you got folks preaching a broke gospel. God don't want you to have nothing. And we just got done seeing the man when he gave, the Bible says he prospered, he became very prosperous. And we got folks, well, I don't believe in the prosperity uh, doctrine. Well, you, you got it all twisted. Put up Acts chapter 20, verse 27, and I'm moving on to the second point. I told you I could stay on this giving all night. Look, look at this. Go, go, go to Acts 20. It says, for I have not shunned, which means, that word shunned means I have not hesitated to declare to you the whole counsel of God. So why are we going to leave prosperity out when the Bible tells us to declare the whole counsel? Paul said, I'm not 
Sean, I've not hesitated to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Now, your ministry shouldn't evolve around money, 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 money. I'm teaching on prosperity every week. Some of my guest preachers, they, they're, 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 they're surprised that I only spend two minutes on the offering, maybe two minutes. They said, some of us, we spend 20 minutes. I'm like, man, that's, I'm trying to get up out of here. But look at that. Paul said, I'm not shunned. So you can't, you can't talk about the rapture and leave out prosperity. We can't talk about living a disciplined life and leave out prosperity. So we, we can't leave out that element because then that does you a disjustice. Anybody in this room want to be blessed? Anybody want to know God is in Luke 6.38? God, I want to give and it shall be. He said, I'm going to cause man to give unto your bosom. This stuff works. <laughs> Remember, we owed $20,000 on these speakers that cost $80,000. And I was trying to tell everybody to give a $20 each. And the gentleman ran right here on the wood and said, Pastor, here's the whole $20,000. Because it's in the house. And that guy that gave me that money, he's all in. That's why he blasts. Got his own business and whatnot. But be, I can stay on this forever. But I'm not going to do that to y'all tonight. Let's go to the second point. People that are all in grind. That's the new term that they use now. The word grind, the urban dictionary means they have good work ethic. Go to Matthew chapter 20, verse 28 real quick. So number one, people that are all in know how to give. Number two, they grind. Good work ethic. Look at this. It says, just as a son of man did not come to, to, to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus did not come into this earth to be served. He came into the earth to be a servant. Amen? In other words, when Jesus came on the scene, he was in the grind. He was doing ministry. Amen? Look at this, look, look, look this one. Go to, go to uh, uh, John 9, 1. Go to John 9, 1 real quick. John 9, 1. Look at this. Another scripture. When Jesus is here, he is. He says, now Jesus, he passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Look at this. Then it says, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who, who sinned? People always, you know, you got to be careful of sin monitors. People have even asked me, Pastor, with the church the size of yours, with three services, and thousands of people coming through here on the weekend, how do you monitor the sin in your church? I said, I don't. I'm not a sin monitor. My job as a pastor is to preach green grass and go home. It's up to you if you're going to eat it or not. And then the Bible says in Philippians 2.12, it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's between you and Jesus, the Father, the Son. Come on. That's on you. But then it says, and the disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Sometimes bad things just happen to good people. And it got nothing to do with the devil. Come on, somebody. Anybody grew up, oh, the devil. No, Sometimes your tire might blow out. You didn't get your oil changed at the $3,000 or the $3,000 mark. You waited until $5,500 when the, when the transmission went out. The devil didn't have nothing to do with it. <laughs> Next verse. Next verse. 
And then it says, Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Then look what Jesus says. Verse 4, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. Jesus looked like, look, I came here to work. I'm not up here trying to figure out, try to pinpoint why the man is blind. I don't know if his parents sinned or he sinned. At the end of the day, I've been called to work. I've been called to grind. I've been called to come and help the sick, the shut-in, and the blind. So people that are all in, they know how to grind. They have a good work ethic. Amen? But look at this. Go, 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 to, go to Luke 16, 12 real quick. Luke uh, 16, 12. Speaking of grinding, look at this real quick. And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who's going to give you what is your own? God ain't giving you nothing until you learn how to grind in somebody else's vision. Unless you roll your sleeves up in somebody else's vision, God is not going to release yours. You feeling me? At the end of the day, you got to pay some dues in somebody else's vision. I believe part of the reason why I'm blessed is because I knew how to serve other people's vision. Didn't have a problem doing it. Matter of fact, didn't even want this assignment because I knew that once I became a pastor, I knew ain't no turning back. Because when I was a deacon and elder and I worked for other churches, it was on that pastor to have faith for my paycheck. Now I got to have faith for my own. You feel me? So when people start thinking that it's, I want to be a pastor, that is not cute. Because there's a lot of work that goes into it. You got to have a whole lot of faith. Three things you got to have in order to be successful as a pastor. You better have some faith, some trust, and some integrity. Real talk. Amen. But, but, but go, go back to 9-4. Jesus said, I must. In other words, he was saying, it's a necessity that I work the works of him who sent me. But go, 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 go to Exodus 13 real quick. Go, go, to, no, go to Exodus 17 and 8. Exodus uh, uh, chapter 17, verse 8. Look at these people that were all in. Speaking of grinding, look at this. It says, now Amalek came and he fought with Israel and, and Rephidim. Next verse. It says, and Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out. Fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Next verse. Then it says, so Joshua did as Moses said to him, and he fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and her went up to the top of the hill. And it says, and so it was when Moses held up his hands that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. So anytime his hands were up, Israel prevailed. But the minute his hands were let down, Amalek prevailed. Next verse. Then it says, but Moses' hands became heavy so that they took a stone and put it under him and he sat, sat, and he sat on it. And Aaron and her supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Even Moses, who delivered the children out of Israel, of course, even had to have people that were all in. Her was all in. Aaron was all in. He had one on one side and he had one on the other side. Amen. And as long as he had people in his life that were all in, guess what? They prevailed. But the minute that he had the wrong people in his life, things went. I think that's why it's important. If you want to, I don't believe in judging people. But I do believe in evaluating people's fruit. 
Did you catch that? Don't judge people, but you need to evaluate their fruit if they even worthy to even walk alongside of you. Because I've heard people say, I'm going to get to where I'm trying to get. I don't need nobody but Jesus. No, you're going to need somebody. Just, you're going you're gonna to need Jesus. But you're going to need some other people too. Nobody gets to where they're trying to get to with just Jesus. Even Jesus in Luke 2.52, it says he increased with wisdom, stature, and he had favor with God, and he had favor with... Don't try to, don't try to exclude man out of it. You need man. Amen? Listen, there was a man that sent us an email to Greg said, we're going to give you a $5 million building for $3 million just because we feel like Kingdom in the Valley is supposed to be in this building. That was the favor of man. That was not only favor with that man, but that pastor and his board said, who should we reach out to? And they fasted and prayed. And when they initially sent us an email, I said no. Because they wanted $5 million for a $5 million building. How I many you know I'm not just a pastor, but I'm a businessman too? Not gonna give me a building for that's 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 nothing to even do a Holy Ghost dance about. You got to make this worth my while. Come on, somebody, Amen. Come on, all of us was probably born that night, but not last night, Amen. I've been grinding. I need some favor. You got the. I need half off. The Bible says you have not. Because you asked not. I had to explain to them, listen, yeah, five million, okay, it'll, it ain't going to praise to that until I get the AC units and paint the sanctuary, change out the pews, change out the carpet. Come on, somebody. Amen. So at the end of the day, you just, you just, you, you just can't, when you, go, when you go get that house, you ask for half off. But what about half? Let's meet somewhere in the middle. So the house I bought in, in 08 May when the recession jumped off and everybody was falling out. And I did a series called Don't Doubt in the Drought. You know, that this is a great time to go look for a home and so on and so forth. My house at one time was, was, was worth about maybe 996, almost a hair under a million dollars. And I remember looking at that home knowing that mm, that's going to be a due season. Oh, but then when 087 rolled around, and then I went back and looked at that same house, and it was 456, I said, look at God. <laughs> and then I went to my bank, and they said, we can't do 456, but we can do 439. And I went back to Richmond American Homes and said, my bank can do 439, and they said, sold. They didn't say nothing, but I got to go check in with somebody, or I got to go do this. No, 26 days later, they gave me my keys, and I'm living in that house right now. Look at your neighbor and say, keep grinding. People that have things, it's because they keep, they're grinders. Come on, at 930, 9.30, sir, we had a Pittsburgh Steeler here in the church. He went to the University of Arizona, didn't get drafted, did not hear his name called. He said, Pastor, I was crushed. He said, I was one of the best defensive backs in the nation. My name did not get called. He said, but 10 minutes after the draft, the Pittsburgh Steelers called me. And they said, we want you to come to camp. We know we wanted to draft you, but we only got seven picks, and we didn't get to you, but we want to fly you in. We got $5,000. 
Now, come on, somebody, in that world, that ain't a lot of money. But they were telling him how much we value you. Because we're bringing like almost 90 guys to camp and we only keeping 53. Well, this September, he's going in his fifth year. He ain't making no $5,000 no more. And then 1130 service, there was another guy here from the Pittsburgh Steelers. You don't even want to know his story. Scoliosis, all kind of other health challenges. Not even supposed to be playing football but a starting linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. I'm talking about these underdogs, but my whole point bringing these men up, that they kept grinding. Don't stop grinding. If you keep grinding, if you keep having the work ethic, as they say, good things come to those that wait. Sometimes you just got to be patient and wait your turn and stay in the grind. Don't let up. He could have been like, man, I'm done. I'm going to go get me a job at UPS. How am I going to go and be a part of a team that's got almost 90 people at camp and I didn't even get drafted? He said, but Pastor Still, because I was grinding so hard, they started sending dudes home that they drafted. And then he said they kept knocking on the hotel room saying, hey, we need you to bring your iPad. We need you to get your playbook. Y'all know that's a bad sign. When they knock on your hotel room and say, hey, we need your playbook, that's basically the assistant coach saying, you need to go see the head coach. He's about to let you know that it's a wrap. You weren't grinding enough. We got to let you go. Your work ethic, even though we drafted you in the fifth round, this guy that we didn't draft, he got a better grind than you. And we know we gave you two, $300,000 signing bonus, but we'd rather you, you a liability. Because you take plays off. See, that's a word right there. See, see, don't be taking Sundays off. Unless, come on, man, you got to go on vacation. You know, I'm a balanced guy. I'm not one of them cats that's trying to keep anybody in this building in the headlock. Come on, somebody. Every once in a while, you need to get away. Go catch your breath. But I'm talking about we ain't seen you in six weeks. You, praise the Lord. Where you been? You ain't grinding. Like the man of God says Sunday, are you a part of the crowd or a part of the committed? And believe me, God knows if you're part of the crowd or you're a part of the committed. Amen? I might even be preaching this message to the wrong crowd because usually, you know, Wednesday folk is committed. <laughs> but let's get into this. So number one, people that are all in are givers. People that are all in are people that grind. They, they grind. Amen? And, 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 and Moses was looking for grinders. He had Aaron in his life. He had her in his life. Let's make sure that we're Aaron or her. Let's take on those kind of characteristics. Amen? Because, see, if you're a giver in this church, you're holding up my arms. But the minute people stop giving, you feeling me? Let's look at one more. Go to Exodus. Stay in Exodus. We're in Exodus. Our, 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 go to Exodus uh, 18, 18 and uh, 20, or 18 and 13. Look at this real quick. And so it was on the next day, Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood before Moses from morning to evening. Next verse. It says, so when, when Moses' father-in-law saw that all that he did for the people, he, he said, what, what is this, that thing that you, you're, you're doing for the people? Uh, why, why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you in the morning until the evening? 
In other words, Jethro was telling Moses, this is ludicrous. This is not cute. You're killing yourself. You're going to have a stroke. You're up from morning to evening dealing with people. Then as Moses said to the father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. Next verse. It says, and Moses, uh, they, they, they have, then they have a, uh, and when they have a difficulty, they come to me, and, and I judge between one and, one and another, and I make known the statutes of God and his laws. Next verse. Then it says, so Moses' father-in-law said that the thing that you do is not good. This is not cute. Working for God 24-7 with no balance. Next verse. Then it says, both you and these people uh, who, who are with you will, will surely wear yourself out. For this thing that, 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 is, that this thing is too much for you, you are not able to perform it by yourself. Next verse. So he told him, you can't do it by yourself. Listen now to my voice. I'm going to give you counsel. And, the God, and then it says, and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties uh, to, that, that you may bring the difficulties to God. Next verse. Look at this real quick. It says, and you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and work. Then it says, and they must do. Next verse. Then it says, moreover, you shall select from all the people able men. That word able means men that have capability, that have a skill set, uh, such as fear God, that have a reverence for God. Don't, in other words, Jethro was saying, don't just go pick anybody. Go find you somebody that you know that's going to be all in. Go find somebody that you know that's going to grind with you. So he says, moreover, you shall select from you of the people that are able men, such that fear God, men of truth, men that don't compromise, men that stand on the truth even when it hurts. Then it says, hating covetousness. In other words, don't be coveted with somebody else has because you don't know what it took for them to get that. You don't know how, much, how long they've been grinding. Then it says, uh, uh, having covenants and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds and rulers of fifties and rulers uh, 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 of tens. Next verse. Then it says, and, and let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you and every small matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you. In other words, Jethro was telling Moses, go find you some people that will be all in so that your job can be easier. Then it says, for they will bear the burden with you. Now, that word burden means a great responsibility. Amen? Now, um, go to one more scripture. Go, go to the next one. Then it says, if you do this thing and God so, as, so God commands you, then, somebody say then you will be able to endure and all these people will also go to their place in peace. In other words, all Moses was, or Jethro was telling Moses, find you some men that will grind with you. Find you some people that will be all in. Find you some people, amen, so you can get this weight off of you so you can be able to endure and then guess what? Everybody is going to have peace. That's why there's such a peace here at Kingdom, because we believe in delegating. This ain't no one-man show. We got like 20-something ministers in this church even right now, amen? Because at the end of the day, I know I can't do it all. Like even my ministers, they don't bring small matters to me. 
Like I had a guest in town about two weeks ago from Alabama. We had pastors in town, and we had a minister's meeting. I was at the meeting for five minutes, and I turned it over to the head minister, Minister Terry, and he spent the hour with them because I trust and delegate because I believe what happens a lot of times with pastors is because the church is their baby. They have times, they have at times struggle with trusting people with their baby, if you will. Because, you know, I did birth this thing. Nobody set me in. Nobody, nobody give me nothing. But at the same time, I know in order to be, if you want to see quantity, you got to have quality people around you. Amen. If you have quality, you will have quantity. Because I've heard people say, I just want quality. I don't want quantity. I'm like, the devil is a lie. Amen. I want quantity as well. Because, you know, if you have quality people around you, that's what quality should produce. It should produce quantity. And so the minute Jethro checks Moses, his son-in-law, and tells him, this, what you're doing is not good. This being up all night stuff. I remember one time, this is a true story, y'all. Greg is my witness. We had a gentleman that got shot. He got shot on, what, like a Tuesday? Like four, three times? No, that was the first time he got shot. First time he got shot. How many times? About four times. Five days later, he got shot 11 more times. Now, the first time, I sent my ministers and elders, go get him, go resurrect him from the dead. But he got shot the second time. We got a call at 3 in the morning. I told my ministers, don't body, don't move. Because I'm not going to put my ministers on the road at 3 o'clock in the morning for them to potentially fall asleep and die for a fool. How you get shot 14, 15 times in a week? And we're not, I got my witness right here. Four and then 11. And the 11 came from the police because you shouldn't point guns at the police. Tell them what happened when you went to the hospital the next morning when I sent him. What, what, tell them how the people looked at you. They said, he goes to your church? <laughs> Bad guy said, well, we got all kinds of people at kingdom. The down and out, the up and out. We got Pookie, come on somebody. <laughs> then we got Brian, come on <laughs> All did say be all things to all people to say something. But I had to make it down. See, if I would have been a two-year-old pastor at that time, I would have been like, I would have sent everybody. But I'm in a different season where I'm like, he need to feel that for a little while. Because now you're putting yourself in harm's way. Mm -hmm. But if you would have been all in, if you would have been grinding, come on. Because there was a time in his life he was grinding with us. But she made a decision to go back out there. And once a man puts his hands to the plow and he looks back, there are certain lifestyles you can't afford to go back to. You can miss what God wants to do in you and through you and for you because you stop being all in. Let's make sure that we stay all in. People of God, last thing and I'm done. People that are all in are givers. They're grinders. And number three is they're grounded. Somebody say grounded. The word grounded means to be mentally and emotionally stable. 
So the word grounded means to be mentally and emotionally stable. See, people that are all in are people that are grounded. They're emotionally stable. Amen. Look at this scripture. Go to, go to uh, Colossians uh, 1 and 23 real quick. Colossians, and we're almost done. We're going to close here in a second. But remember that. People that are all in are people that are grounded. Mentally and emotionally. Look at this. It says, uh, uh, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel. See, you can't be moved. See, people that are grounded can't be moved. See, I've said this for years. I don't have a feeling that everything is going to be all right. I have a promise from God's word that everything is going to be all right because feelings come and go. And see, people that are all in are people that are grounded. I'm talking about that when, I'm talking about when all hell is breaking loose, I'm still grounded. Amen? I remember one time I was a deacon at a church and I got in this car wreck and it was bad. The car windows got shattered, my kids were falling out at the time and, you know, the police came and they did their report, the guy hit and run and all that. And my kids were like, where are we going, Dad? Are we going to just go home? I said, no, we're still going to church. Busted window and everything. Car busted all up. Going to church. Faith cometh back. <laughs> going home wasn't on my radar. I'm going to church. Why? Because I was afraid I might miss something. I didn't want to. I'm like, wait a minute. This could be the enemy trying to keep me out the house. And the Bible says in Psalm 92, 13, those that are planted, grounded, and the house of the Lord shall what? flourish. I believe sometime God will let you go through a setback, Job. Sometime God will let you go through a setback, Joseph. Sometime God will let you go through a setback, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to see if you're really grounded. And when you look at the life of those men that I just shouted out, those men were grounded. Come on, Daniel was grounded. These were men that were not going to compromise. These men were emotionally stable. They didn't, they didn't allow their emotions to lead them. If anybody should have been led by their emotions, it should have been Job. Come on, this brother lost everything. And then your good thing tells you curse God and die? And this brother looks his wife dead in the face and tells her, I can't take the good and not adversity. And then God turns around and gives him double for his trouble. I mean, come on, man. We got to be grounded. So people that are all in are people that are grounded. Put that scripture back up real quick if you could. Colossians 1.23. It says, indeed, you continue in the faith and grounded and steadfast and are not moved. You can't be moved by what's going on in your life. Somebody walked in here today. You can't be moved that you're in a season of transition. You're in a season where God is processing you right now. But don't you be moved by what you see. Because 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says we walk by faith and not by sight. Sight meaning I don't live my life based on my emotions. I'm not going to focus on what I'm going through. I'm focusing on where I'm going to because my Bible tells me that my God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above, more than I can even imagine or even think. So I'm going to stay grounded because I know my best days are ahead of me. I'm going to keep grinding because I know my best days are ahead of me. 
I'm going to keep giving because I know my best days are ahead of me. Do I have anybody at the Wednesday night service that's all in? Somebody give God an all in praise in this place. Somebody scream all in. Come on and bless God one more time in this place. High five two or three people and say all in. All in. All in. All in. When hell is breaking loose, I'm all in. When things seem weird, I'm all in. When my money's funny, I'm all in. I got a kid that then tripped out, I'm still. That doctor told me, I gave me a bad report and told me I got an ailment in my body, you still. Most of you know my wife has been under attacking her health. Has to get her thyroid removed and going through some other things with her health. But because she's grounded, she in Ohio telling people that Jesus is Lord tonight. Why? Because she's grounded. She's all in. She ain't counseling no preaching engagement. Come on, man. Sometimes you got to be like, it hurts so good. Keep it moving. And I guarantee you, in her weakness, God will be strong. I bet you them people are probably running the aisles right now. Because I just know the kind of woman of God that she is. She's a grinder. That's why I married her. I'm like, this woman can fight her, boy. And she fighting for me. And I'm crazy. Come on, somebody. She should have been gave me the left foot of fellowship. Come on, somebody. Oh, y'all. <laughs> I was like, she's a keeper. So I'm grateful that she's grinding, even tonight. Kingdom, keep grinding. Stay grounded. Be all in. Let's be like Aaron. Let's be like her. Let's be all in. Let's hold the man of God's arms up like you're doing tonight. Do your giving. You're holding my arms up. When you're grinding, you're holding my arm. And then, guess what? We're able to all continue to endure. And then we have peace like the word of God says. Come on, give God a hand, praise. Hallelujah. Somebody say all in. All in. Let's pray. Father, we honor you. We thank you for the...